This episode of Tech Kamasala is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Enter the coupon code POD124 to get 10% off on all hosting plans. Go to GoDaddy.TheIndicast.com for more information. And welcome to Tekka Masala, a technology podcast from an Indian perspective. This is episode number 15 for 3rd May 2009. We are back in business. I'm your host Aditya and along with me I have Saket. Hi guys. Hey, so um, so we are actually back in business. Huh? We actually mean it and we are going to be on schedule hopefully until unless something, unless work comes up, very important work comes up. And that's what uh, you have been up to. Yeah, that's what uh, all of us have been up to. In fact, uh, uh, the, the past month has been quite hectic, so Tekkamasala had uh, taken a back seat. But uh, uh, now that we're back, uh, we just uh, hope to go from thing to thing. Yes, so with that, let's directly get into the story that we have. Airtel has been uh, conducting experiments with a new service, and very soon you may be able to use 10 mobile numbers on a single Airtel SIM card. Yeah, the service is called Virtual Phones. And, uh, I mean, this is being uh, developed by a company called Comviva Technology, which is uh, a Bharti subsidiary. Mm-hmm. And it is a technology which will allow a user to use as many as 10 different numbers uh, on a single phone, uh, on a single SIM card. Now, I have I heard about using two SIM cards in one cell phone. This is not what they are talking about here. No, this is actually 10 numbers, and, and this will not, uh, I mean, this will be embedded in the SIM firmware itself. And uh, it will not only allow 10 numbers uh, per SIM card, but it will also allow password protected accounts, which means that two people can actually use the same phone and their personal data will not get exposed uh, to the other person. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. And uh, what they're doing is they're carrying out, you know, the tests and they see a lot of uptake that they see in rural India. Is that right? Yeah, actually, I think the application for this technology is rural India primarily, where people uh, in the same household cannot uh, afford uh, multiple mobile phones. So uh, it's a way to get the same phone work with different numbers, I guess. Right. So there there are a couple of questions that come into my mind, and uh, you know there was not enough information available on about the service itself. What's going to happen if you select a number for use? Are yeah. the other numbers going to be not available or how is it going to work? So, you know, for example, your my cell number and your cell number are attached to one SIM card. So, yeah. uh, at a time, it, is only one number going to be available? I think so. That would be the case. But uh, uh, that would be one number for uh, essentially direct telephony. But uh, I think messaging can, can, can definitely get stored in boxes somewhere you know, on some server. It will be interesting to see as to what really they end up doing, you know, how they offer the service. And uh, does one, is it going to be uh, pay as you use per policy or is it going to be a flat rate for all 10 numbers? Because imagine having to pay you know, those fixed charges that all cell phone or SIM cards have for 10 numbers. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see as to how they really come up with a pricing plan, etc. It'll take two months, so I guess let's wait and watch. I'm trying to think about where will I use this particular feature, apart from, you know, sharing the same handset. Is there any utility beyond that? Is It'll be, it'll be interesting to see as to how that, how the utility evolves once this service gets into the hands of people. 
I, I guess actually it's not even sharing the same handset. It's about sharing the same SIM card. Let's see what happens once it comes out and how they actually pitch the idea to people is also going to be very important. Yep. So, moving on. I think, you know what, uh, Saket, just a thought occurred. Right now what is happening is business people have to carry two cell phones at the same time. One, yeah, is, one is a personal phone and the other one is their business phone. So, yeah, that, that happens very often. Yeah, so I wonder if there, if the if the uptake is going to be a lot from the business side, so that you just have to carry one particular phone with you, and during office hours you keep your work phone activated, and once you go home you just switch on to your, uh, you know, personal number. Yeah, I'm sure there will be some corporate uptake. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. That's an interesting uh, thing that came to my mind right now. Moving on. India, finally, who was a bit resistant about uh, placing orders for the OLPC. OLPC stands for One Laptop Per Child Initiative that was kicked off uh, from MIT Labs. I, uh, India had initially said no to adoption of this particular program since they were going to come up with their own $10 laptop. So now they have gone ahead and placed an order for 2,50,000 OLPCs. And that, that's interesting. I mean, OLPC has a project has had an upstart. I mean, I mean the the whole idea of a hundred dollar laptop, and that is what essentially uh, OLPC as a project started out with, seemed uh, like a far-fetched dream. And uh, same time, I mean, it was quite uh, difficult to get people on board uh, with the, the with the project, with the idea of the project itself. And uh, they faced resistance from countries like India, who had. Uh, I mean, its own ideas. I mean, the Ministry of uh, uh, Human Resource Development, I mean, favored uh, another project uh, called the Fakshat project, which, I mean, which is an internal project, where they're planning to uh, launch a $10 laptop now, I mean, which obviously, at, at the end of the day, turned out to be some uh, somewhat ambiguous and quite dubious, because, I mean, uh, yeah. uh, what, what, they, what they demonstrated was, I mean, far from being anywhere near a laptop. Yeah, it was, it was a computer without a screen, without a keyboard, and you know just nothing so so finally the government of india has thrown in the towel and i think it's great because now that they've ordered these uh uh, two lakh fifty thousand OLPCs. They can actually be rolled out where they're meant to be rolled out. I mean, uh, the pro the project uh, is planning to deliver them across fifteen hundred schools, and I mean, uh, there the already has been a pilot program about, uh, on about this. So, yes, the pilot program was actually carried out in two thousand seven with only twenty XO laptops. Now, these OLPC laptops are called XO at at schools in Khairat and Dhangarwada village in Maharashtra. And it very interesting, uh, Saket, what the, what the Human Resource Development Ministry came out with was that they were concerned, they expressed concerns about health implications of prolonged laptop usage among students. Yeah, the idea being that the plastics used were contaminated. Uh -huh. So what happened was OLPC had to go back and prove that that was not going to happen. And once that was cleared, uh, India is, has now signed up an agreement to buy these laptops from them. Just to give you some uh, other information, the OLPC initiative was also dented because Intel decided to come up, come out with their own OLPC-like machine, and which was called Classmate PC initiative. Yeah, the Intel Classmate machine. And right. OLPC uh, was running on AMD, which is essentially a competing chipset manufacturer. Yep. Uh, now, OLPC itself has switched from... Uh, uh, AMD to uh, the VRCM chipset, uh, which is uh, turning out to be quite cost-effective. So that was about OLPC. I, I really want to see it uh, 
you know, succeed. For some reason, this sounds like a good initiative. And uh, let's see, I hope it uh, succeeds in India. Yeah, so while all that is happening, Microsoft was busy launching or soft launching uh, a new social network called Wine. It is not really a social network, but, you know, very close to that. No, it's actually, you know, uh, an ultra-personal, uh, hyper-local emergency alert service, uh, essentially. Uh, it is meant to connect people, meant to connect you to people in places that you care about the most when it matters. So, essentially, it's uh, supposed to be uh, some sort of a disaster management uh, system online. I mean, uh, you, you can map out an area for yourself that uh, these are the places I am at these times in the day. So, it will let you know about uh, natural disasters or any other warnings or... Uh, at the same time, you will have your emergency contacts listed on that software. So essentially, it is a dashboard kind of an application which allows people to uh, stay in touch with uh, their most uh, dear people. And uh, the whole basis of Wine, uh, the the whole inspiration for Wine, Wine is the name of the software. Very weird name for a software, I must say. And uh, the the whole concept comes from uh, the whole confusion that uh, came up during Hurricane Katrina. And, you know, how they, my people at Microsoft researched how news spread and what, how people reacted to a, a, a devastation of that magnitude. And then they came up with this particular product. So it's, yeah. uh, and it's not even a web-based product. It's a download. You have to download that application onto your computer and then use it. It's a dashboard application and it is quite pretty and uh as of now, it, it it can pull from, you know, RSS feeds and uh, uh, show you data um, uh, overlaid on the map in, in an interesting way. And uh, it, it plans to also pull from social streams of your friends so that right. uh, if, if you care about your, I mean, you have, you have a wife and you have a kid. So, I mean, you, you can, you, your wife's Twitter, her Facebook, and I mean, all of your friends' uh, such accounts are tightly integrated together in, in case and they can be of use in an emergency situation. Right now, it's in closed beta right now. It's not even in beta. So let's see how the service offering shapes up. Talking oh, about yeah. social networks. I mean, first, here we're talking about an ultra-close social network. And the major social network, which is Facebook, has uh, suddenly embraced openness. And uh, they've pretty much opened up all their APIs. Yeah, so what's ba what is basically going to happen is it has provided developers access to all sorts of information and so that developers can create their own applications based on the information that is available in Facebook. I mean, I mean Facebook essentially has been a, a walled garden. I mean, huh. It has had, had a fairly complex API of people passing information to Facebook and, and people building applications within Facebook. But uh, this is something new because this allows data portability. I mean, that's something which uh, a lot of people do care about and Facebook uh, very badly needs to be on the right side of it. So, so yeah, I, so Saket, but, but out here, see, traditionally, Facebook has basically been a place where you can only view information or change information uh, through Facebook.com, which is their web front. And now yeah. with this API coming in, what they, uh, what they want, what they think will happen is that a lot of developers will start building applications, new mobile applications or desktop applications or plugins and all those things so that people can use those applications as front-end to information in Facebook. 
Yeah, that is something which Facebook was not until uh, very recently willing to do. Uh, now that they have done that, they can directly compete with platforms like Twitter, uh, who have completely opened themselves up so that, I mean, like, most people who actually use Twitter don't use it through the Twitter.com website. And, yeah. And, and at the end, it's the mindshare that counts, not the medium through which they consume your service. So I guess this is a great move for Facebook. Yes, but, you know, for at, at some level, it makes me feel that it is just, they are just, uh, the face is going to be different. The way you access Facebook is going to be different, but underlying functionality is still going to be the same. Very much, but I mean, it will be, it's going to be more convenient. I mean, imagine having a client sitting on your desktop. I mean, uh, there are people who run messaging clients like ADM or I mean, hmm. Pigeon. So they can have Facebook plugins and you can, you know, uh, people commenting on your status in Facebook can actually come across, come, come as instant messages which you can reply to then and there and this and the conversation can happen on Facebook, but, but, but can happen within IM for the other guy. So, I mean, there, there are very interesting applications on how people can access, uh, not just access Facebook, but actually contribute data to Facebook. But the point, the point is, uh, uh, does the uh, platform has, have, have native support to API access in the sense that uh, when it comes to micro-messaging, I mean, Twitter really has to extend itself to platforms like instant messaging hmm. or I mean, mobile applications or, you know, desktop apps. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, people have to use their service. It doesn't matter how they use it. So it's about making yourself more accessible to the user. So, I mean, if Facebook has to compete with Twitter on real terms within the micro-messaging space, then it's mean, it needs to open up. And that is what exactly it is done. So this is basically a knee-jerk reaction to Twitter's fame, is it? I think so. And, and, and Seasmic Desktop. Huh. It's in fact, the first application to integrate this feature and which has hitherto been a Twitter client. Yeah, also, what is up with all these desktop clients coming up? Yeah? Seasmic is one. There is uh, there is another one which I forget. TweetDeck, oh, I think. TweetDeck, uh, there are interesting clients, but I think that is what the future of the web is. I mean, that, that's, some, that, that, that's a very controversial statement. But, yeah, I mean, weren't we, weren't uh, we, wasn't everything moving to the cloud and suddenly we are coming back to the desktop now? No, we aren't coming back to the desktop. We're, we're just using the desktop as an interface to the cloud. I mean, at the end, end of the day, when it the conversation happens. It happens in the cloud. It's just that you're accessing it through the desktop. So uh, it is just about uh, accessibility through uh, an API. I mean, it's like RSS. I mean, uh, RSS revolutionized uh, the web because uh, broke uh, content away from the browser. And in the end, it's about the, the web becoming more semantic. So, Right, but uh, you, uh, do you remember almost a year back when Facebook was you know, at its, uh, they were talking about creating a virtual operating system and how you will never have to install uh, a, a software again on your machine and all those things and now suddenly we are talking about that and that's that's what I mean now we are talking about installing application but still playing with data that is on cloud Facebook does want to have an operating system online but they want to do this as well so moving on to the next one that we have in the lineup Google is unveiling a new tool to dig through public data that is data available on through government sites uh, this is very interesting. I mean, through the days, Google is becoming more relevant. I mean, uh, you had web search earlier, and then you then you had images overlay, then they, you get results from book search, and you have, you get results from different Google services. So I think the the idea of Google at the end of the day is to make everything searchable. So I mean, uh, they started with the web, and they moved on to other platforms. Uh, the next step that they're taking is is also in some way being of public service, where they're actually 
getting information relevant information like what is uh, the, the unemployment rate in a particular state they have this data and they have this data in a stored in a very semantic manner and it can be returned not just as text but in the form of a very uh, chart. relevant chart or graph yeah so 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 that's an interesting progression and then this also coincides with the launch of wolfram alpha which uh-huh. is another technology touted to become Google killer. Now, now, this is also a computational knowledge engine, which also relies on public records and records stored in a certain fashion right. to answer real-world questions. So, uh, this is really interesting. Traditionally, people have complained that it's very difficult to find public data, which is often hidden somewhere on government website. Getting to that particular website has been very difficult and that is what uh, Google initially wants to solve is make this content available through Google searches etc and in, in, instead of combining it into the into the into the Google search they have actually created went ahead and created a new service for it they are combining results from this into Google search. I mean, uh, it's not just about uh, going into Google public data search. It's about accessing those results on the uh, regular Google page. I mean, yeah, other feature which has been, you know, floating about in the past uh, couple of weeks is Google profiles. Yeah. I mean, now they allow you to have a profile, your name, up on a Google page. So you can have a google.com slash profile slash Aditya. There you can store information about yourself. So now when you actually search for a name, on Google, you also get profile results. You know, at, at the bottom. So, I mean, you get the actual search results, and then you get, and then then you get the profile results. So now, when you search for like US population, you'll get people, you'll get information from public data search. So, yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, Google has been pretty good uh, in that way. You know, n- uh, recognizing what people actually mean when they type in a particular query. For example, you'll be surprised, uh, Sakit, that if I type in Panvel population. Now, Panvel is the yeah. city that I live in, which is which is a tiny part of New Bombay. I get yeah. a result in the, you know, it actually gives me figures out there. Saying Panvel population is, is so and so, which is really great. So now you can get a chart of Panvel population over, over over a period of years. That is, one of, that is what is going to be interesting. Oh, how awesome is that going to be, right? Oh, sorry, actually. Google has replaced lawnmowers at its <laughs> Mountain View, California office with goats. This is awesome. This is awesome. So basically what they're... And I like the way the the press release also talks about it. Saying that goats are also cuter to look at than lawnmowers. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. So this, there's a company called California Grazing. And they are uh, providing a more carbon-friendly, less polluting alternative to lawnmowers. So they have put up about 200 goats at Google's office. <laughs> and they're eating the grass and they're fertilizing it at the same time. <laughs> But what surprises me, Sakit, is that yeah. is that there is a company called California Grazing. That, that's the free spirit of America for you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, would you even think about that? Even if you thought about it, would you even go ahead and register it? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. It's, it's just great how people go ahead and just do things and it works out. Moving on to the next story, Panda Antivirus is releasing a cloud-based antivirus system. Now, I was very confused with uh, this particular story as to how is this even going to happen? 
as per what panda claims i mean this could herald a revolution in computer security i mean like antivirus software has always been signature based so i mean you have uh, a program sitting on your machine consuming your resources uh, having a record of all virus signatures online yeah. and then there is this beta and beta and then there are people who update their programs people who don't update their programs so essentially you have a set of random signatures sitting on your machine uh, against which you can verify whether or not a file is a virus and there are cases when i mean in case of the configure worm or any yeah. all of these new worms most of the times your virus software is not updated enough uh, you end up getting attacked so by moving this to the cloud it makes data real time and at the same time they claim that the client uh, essentially is a thin client agent powered by a web server so so it consumes lot less ram hmm. i mean it consumes uh, consumes an average of 17 17 mb of ram i mean that's a lot less than all of your nortons of the world and i mean uh, yeah. they say that it includes the local and local and remote anti virus they include anti spyware anti root kit so essentially it looks sounds like a great service yes but having said that it does requires a software installation okay. a software installation yes and running connection to the net because the net is going to be your source of information or or, or i mean the, the signatures of the viruses are going are, are going to reside in the cloud and not on the desktop so that's how uh-huh. it is promising a minimal footprint on your machine so you you need to be connected to the net but the upside is that uh, because there are people who are who are using this all the time the more people use this the stronger the service becomes because i mean uh, that much more information profile, is available basically yeah the system profiles new virus viruses in real time yeah. and uh, it can classify up to 50000 new virus samples every day Woo. so 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 that's some projection video yeah so let's see how this uh, this uh, uh, software is it available is it it's not available as of now right for download so it's available as a beta uh, all right then yeah, i mean it's it's available as a global beta you can go and download it oh that's great that's that's about it uh, i think the topics that we had uh yes i guess so you can this was, uh, did you feel that the time went really quick this time uh, yeah hardly so. yeah we haven't uh, done this for a while so it really yeah. feels like we Uh, ran through the topics but uh, that's all we have for this week and uh, keep listening and we uh, hope to keep on producing more uh, of these tekka masala episodes on a weekly basis so we hope that you log on to our website which is at www.theindicast.com or also probably subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or Google or whatever you, uh, to get regular updates uh, anything else that you want to add saket uh, or you could uh, follow us on twitter Oh yes, how can I forget that? Forget that. My Twitter ID is AC Mahatre and Saket is Vulturo, V U L T U R O. And uh, these links, all these links will be available on our website uh, theindicast.com. So don't forget to log on and comment on any of the things that you mentioned. And also you can email us uh, your feedback or any stories that you find that are interesting about India or technology in India. Uh, just email them to techkamasala at theindicast.com and uh, we should probably we could probably talk about them. That's about it from me. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. ಚಂದ್ರಮಾಲಾಟ ರಾಜೆ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ವಿಷ್ಣು ಮಹೇಶ ತಾಲದೆ ದುರ್ಬ